God is greater. We've been looking at how great God is. He's greater than you. He's greater than the world. He's greater than darkness. But He is greater than your struggle. He's greater than your circumstance. And um, what are you facing? What are you up against? Because my God is greater. And I don't know what you're facing. You don't know what I'm facing. But I do want you to know something I know for sure. God's greater. And He can get you through it. And if you let Him, He will get you through it. What is your struggle? Does it have full control over you? Is it controlling your life? Or is the Lord controlling your life? You know what's really neat about the Lord? He already knows your struggle. He already knows it. So many times we walk around and we want to tell people our struggle. Well, I want you to know God already knows it. But He wants you to ask for help. Matthew chapter 6 verse 8 says, For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. But in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Asking is a form of humility. Having to ask, you have to humble yourself to ask because what are you identifying that you don't know? And especially for men, and I think women equally, we like to think we know everything, or at least we like to act like we know everything. We think we know everything, but we definitely want to act like we know everything. But asking is acknowledging a need. Asking shows your heart. So why would God, who already knows what your need is, want you to ask? Scripture says, ask and you shall receive. No asking, no receiving. But we have to ask. Why would God want us to ask? Well, I think it's for a lot of reasons, but I believe that God's kingdom is set up on an ask and receive basis. We ask, He answers. We call, He answers. God needs a response. God needs a move on our part. And you know what that move is? It's faith. We can't please God without faith. We have to have faith, faith in His Word, faith in Him, faith in knowing who He is. And He wants us to ask, well, why would He want us to ask? 
Do you know that Scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? Now, Scripture also tells us He knows our heart. He's the only one that knows our heart. So why would we need to ask? I believe it's so that we can identify the situation of our heart. I was talking with um, the Buckner little girls this morning, just talking about baptism and, you know, kind of going through that with them. And they're shy and don't want to talk. And the pastor, the mean old pastor is trying to ask them questions and don't want to answer. And I'm like, you got to answer. Because what comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. I need to hear what's in your heart. And, of course, they knew the right answers. They went through it beautifully. But I had to hear it out of their mouth. And I think the Lord would say the same thing. I need to hear it out of your mouth. What do you need? When, when someone sick came to Jesus, Jesus said, what do you need? God's kingdom, he desires us to ask. We need to ask, men, what are you facing? Women, what are you facing? Even though he knows, ask anyway. How many of you have children that come to you and they know you know what their need is, but they ask you anyway? And then they don't get the answer right away and they continue to ask. I want you to know that's biblical. Knock and keep knocking until you wake up that master from his sleep and he will give you what you're asking. Not because he wants to give it to you, not because it's even something good, it's because you are bugging him. (laughs) How many of you get bugged by your kids? I want this, I want this, I want this. And finally you just say, okay. It said it wasn't because of the need, it was because of the importunity. It was because of you sticking to it and keep asking. But you got to ask. Asking requires action. Faith without works is dead. Your work from faith is the asking. Your faith, when, someone, when, when the Lord is moving and healing and you need to go and get hands laid on you, you've got to get out of your seat and walk forward. That is an act of faith. You've got to move. We've got to move. Church, don't stay where you are. Don't stay in that pit. Walk out. Walk out with the Lord. You have to ask. And while you're asking him, thank him for what he's done. What have you done, Lord? First Peter chapter 5. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Don't raise your hand. How many here has worries? You laugh about it, but then you're tortured the rest of the day. Give your cares to the Lord because He cares for you. Okay, so let's just get simple. What's our part? Give. What does Scripture say about giving? Give and you shall. No giving. Hey, give your cares to him. The word care in the Greek means your distractions, your anxieties, your burdens, your worries. 
We want to think God's too busy. He isn't. He, he already knows and he wants you to ask. He's not too busy. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. What do you gather from that? Those that give their burdens to the Lord are godly. That's how I put that together. And those that will give their burdens to the Lord, the Lord won't allow you to slip and fall during those burdens. What are your burdens? It says, and God won't allow the godly to slip and fall. God won't permit it. Now, once you, get, once you start to really grasp the fact of who God is, then you can really believe you won't slip and fall. But we've got to get to that point of really believing that we will walk and know we won't slip. We won't grow weary. We won't faint. Our part is to give. We have to give. He says he'll take care of you. The New King James uh, translation of that word care is sustain. What it means is he will maintain you. He will nourish you. He will provide food. He will bear. He will hold up. He will protect. He will support. He will defend. He will supply the necessary means for living. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will meet your need. My preaching is a lot better than your responding. <laughs> Let me put it this way. God's a lot better than your responding. Because I know you've come in with need. I've come in with need. He will care for us. He will take care of us. We will have, you know, it said back in Philippians 4, we will have godly peace. And that peace will guard our hearts and minds. When we give our cares to the Lord, when we let him know what our burdens are, he gives us his peace, and that peace watches over our hearts and our minds. Now, I can tell you that's what I need. That's what I need. Second Chronicles chapter 32 says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because, the king of Assyria or because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. For there is a power far greater on our side. He may have an army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles for us. And Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged the people. You know what today should do? The Word of God should encourage you. We need encouragement. Fear of our situation means a lack of the presence of God. Now, we may have a situation that we may be a little bit concerned. We may even be a little bit scared. You know, it says, God gives us these um, emotions, these feelings to protect us. You know, a snake, we walk up on a snake, we're going to have the right amount of fear to move away from that snake and not get bit. But if I allow the view of that snake to cause me to crawl into a hole and not to function the rest of my life, something's gone wrong. 
the correct amount of fear caused me to get away. God placed in me the correct amount of fear to be able to get away and to be safe and then to keep living. But if I allow that fear to overtake me and me crawl into a hole and not live my life anymore, fear is, is leading my life, not God. Fear of our situation is a lack of God. Your circumstance sometimes has control on you, over you, rather than God. Did I finish the scripture? No, I didn't. Sorry. You guys back there help me out if I fall asleep. So, I want you to know... God will help us, and He will fight for us. But let me ask you this question. How do you give your burdens to the Lord? Thanks. You know, we sit here and we have these scriptures, we have pastors, we have teachers tell us to do stuff, but then we don't know how to do it. So, let's look at David. Psalm chapter 56. Psalm chapter 56. Now, this is King David. Oh, God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? They are always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching every step, eager to kill me. Verse 7. Don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, God, bring them down. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know, God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I will fulfill my vows to you, O God, and I will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. Now, David seems to be on a little bit of a roller coaster. Do you feel that as he is talking? God, my world is crashing in on me. Things are so bad, I can't hardly make it. But your promises, God, are true. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. God, they're coming at me in every direction. They're talking bad about me. They're wanting to kill me. But God, you are great and you are awesome. He keeps talking about his problems. What is he doing? Out of his mouth, he is confessing his problems to God. What is he doing? He is casting his burden onto the Lord. This this is how you do it. This is how you do it. 
Church, this is how you do it. You talk to the Lord about your problems. My child is going through this. I'm going through this. My marriage is this. But I want you to know David knew the word. He came back and he said, but your promises, God, are true. How could he know that if he didn't know God's promises? So you've got to fill your heart with the word of God. So that when challenges come, you have armor, you have weapons to fight back with. David had the weapon of the word. You must have the weapon of the word. God is greater. Greater is he that is in me. Well, is he in you? You know, the way that he's in me, number one, I've asked him to, and number two, I have filled my mind and my heart with him. I have filled my heart with his word. I have, I have asked the Lord to fill me with his spirit. I do the natural, he does the supernatural, so that when hell hits, it loses. Hell's going to hit. Satan is going to try to test your borders. What ammo do you have against him? David is getting attacked in every direction. David is a man after God's own heart. And here he sits. God, man, that's so bad. Man, things are so bad. But I trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. What's he doing? He's just crying. And he's going, oh, wait a minute, but you're greater. Yeah, but what about this? Oh, yeah, God, your promises. Ah, oh, I forgot. Let me remember who you are, God. But, but let me ask you this. God, or let me tell you this, God didn't say we were going to not have problems. And God didn't say to avoid your problems. David was a mighty warrior. Saul killed his thousands. David killed his ten thousands. Saul killed his thousands. David killed his ten thousands. The difference with David is David fought with the Lord on his side. David fought with the Lord on his side. Nowhere does it say God will take all our problems on the way. Just the contrary. Scripture tells us that we will have struggles. Um, Judges chapter 3, verse 1. Catch this. This was in my one-year Bible reading it, this last week. I mean, it's just like jump off the page. I, I've read this over and over and over, but I didn't see this. These are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test the Israelites. What? The Lord left them in the land to test the Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to the generations of Israelites who had not experienced battle. God wants us to be experienced battlers. Why? Because there's going to be battle. Christians will have battle. And he wants us to win. He doesn't just want us to win. He's paid the price for us to win. The price has been paid. We are to be winners. Losers, it's in the New Living Translation. Did I get the wrong scripture? You're looking at it like I got the wrong thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
it says, these are the nations, next scripture, let's see. These are the nations, the Philistines, those living under the five Philistine rulers, the Canaanites, the Sidonites, and the Hivites living in the mountains of Hebron from Mount Baal Hermon to Libo Hamath. Verse six, uh, verse four. These people were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the commands of the Lord had given to their ancestors through Moses. We're going to be challenged to see, will we serve God? Will we choose God? Or will we choose ourself? I believe that David, out on the, uh, you guys know David was a shepherd and a musician. And as he was a shepherd of the sheep, he had to face bears and lions and who all knows what. Wile E. Coyote. You know, he was, he was battling for those sheep, right? I believe that those challenges came to him to prepare him for Goliath. Do you remember he showed up on the, on the battlefield and heard Goliath run in his mouth and hear the children of Israel hiding behind the rocks, the, the, the army of Israel hiding behind the rocks. And David's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I don't know about you, but that would sound like an insult. Who is this big 20-foot doofus standing up here speaking about my God like that? For some reason, he doesn't know, nor do you soldiers of Israel know who my God is. Somebody's forgot who God is, and I'm here to tell you, my God won't put up with that, and neither will I, and I will stand in the face of this guy, and he's going down. Somebody, let's go find some rocks, and he's going to go down. He didn't lack confidence. Why? Because he had the Spirit of God. He had the Word of God in his heart. He heard something that was contrary trying to put to, trying to cripple the entire nation of Israel what are you facing it is crippling your marriage it is crippling your family it is crippling your household it is crippling you and the lord says you forgot who i am i want to show you how to pray how to get in my word and how to go to the brook and find some stones and let's go together and let's take this giant down he's got to go Once heard a worship leader, his name's Jason Upton. He was in a worship time, a spontaneous worship time, singing about tornadoes. And it's recorded, I have it on a CD, and he's playing, and all of a sudden they hear that a storm's coming to uh, their area in Oklahoma. And he starts just spontaneously, uh, prophetically singing, singing tornadoes, you've got to go. He just starts speaking to that. You know, Jesus spoke to the storm for it to leave, and it left. Jason Upton sitting here playing tornadoes, you gotta go. Tornadoes, you gotta go. And I thought he was saying tomatoes. <laughs> and I thought, I don't like tomatoes, but I don't think I can really hang in there with this guy if he's praying against tomatoes. And I'm listening and I'm really, I'm sitting here thinking like George W. Bush, I don't like, or George Bush, I don't like broccoli, I won't eat broccoli. And, you know, just be quiet. If you don't like broccoli, just don't be, just be quiet. I need my kids to eat their broccoli. But speaking out of his mouth, that storm was coming, and he had the word in his heart. He had the word, he had the spirit, and he spoke for that storm to go. No asking, 
no receiving. We've got to ask. These challenges are here to help strengthen you for the next challenge. I had a child have a, have a struggle with another child at school. And, you know, it happens. It goes on. We have bullying and, you know, kids trying to figure out their way. And thankfully, this child of mine had the wisdom enough to ask their parents for help. That may sound like copping out. That may sound like running and tattletailing. But no, it is just the picture the Lord has given us. When you have a problem, trust in the Lord. So this child came to us. And we talked about it, even talked about, hey, does, does our child need to stand up? Do we need to stand up to this giant? After talking, we decided, no, we don't. This isn't the time for standing up. This is the time for going and asking for some help. And we did. And the authorities that be took the lead and took care of it. Now, it, 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 it increased my belief in that, in that person and in that school system, but it also increased my child. Belief in their parent, belief in the system, belief that, hey, if I've got a problem, I need to tell someone. You've got a problem, you need to tell someone. You can't do this on your own. You're not called to do this on your own. It says in Romans chapter 5, not only so, but we glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God will use your struggle to strengthen you, and He will also use that struggle to bring you back to Him. Your struggles, if you walk through them with God, will produce fruit. It will produce perseverance. Do you know quitting is not in the Christian vocabulary? Endure, persevere, overcome, not quit. We don't quit. So many times Christians feel like they hear from God and they try one time and fail and quit. Where the world will keep trying and keep trying and keep trying until they get it. Well, I must have missed God. No, you didn't miss God. You just need to try again. Try again. It produces character, moral strength. It produces hope. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm not sorry that I sent this severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful for you for a little while. Verse 9. Now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurts you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants for his people to have, so you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. You know the scripture, God will, use, will take whatever situation you're in and use it for good. God will take your situation and use it for good if you will let him. Remember, God doesn't bring condemnation. When we have sorrow, when we have mistakes, when we fall down, He doesn't push us down farther. He doesn't bring guilt on us. He brings conviction. He brings fatherly love that will build you back up. 
leads you out of the problem, leads you out of danger and into safety and will cause you to change, repent, change your ways. He brings corrections. He brings conviction. His love leads us away from sin. 2 Corinthians 1, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. How many of you have walked through something, you've come through it, and you've been able to help somebody through the same thing? That's scriptural. The Lord has equipped you to be able to help others because you are an overcomer. You may be um, an overcomer in process. You probably feel more like an overwhelmer or that you're overwhelmed. But I'm here to encourage you. You're an overcomer. You're an overcomer. Need to try to wrap this up. It says 2 Corinthians 1, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God, who raises the dead. Verse 10, and He did rescue us from mortal danger, and He will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in Him, and He will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Paul was so worried. Paul was so convinced that there was no way out for him, that he was literally going to die. He was facing mortal danger to the point that he realized, I'm relying on myself. I need to rely on God. The Lord has brought you here today, not just because, not not for any other reason, but to rescue you. He has brought you to him to rescue you. He is your rescuer. He is your savior. He is your redeemer. He has paid a great price for you. And it's not by chance that you showed up here today. You showed up here today because you need rescuing. And God is the rescuer. God is your rescuer. What are you facing? What are you facing? Does it seem so big and overwhelming? It's because you're doing it all on your own. If God can rescue Paul from mortal danger, can't he rescue you? Can't he rescue your kids, your marriage, your finances, your addiction, your health, your situation? I know I'm going a little bit late today, but I've got to finish with this scripture. Luke chapter 8. Do you all have your Bibles out? Go, Go ahead and get your Bibles out if you don't have them out. Let's do this one together. You're going to need to come back to this one. Mikey, if you don't care, flip these screens for me as I go through this one. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named uh, Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at the feet of Jesus, pleading with him to come to his house. Verse 42. Because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. 
as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman who was there, a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Verse 44. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Now, if I can stop, in another uh, account of the gospel, it showed us that this woman said out of her mouth, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch the hem of the garment. Out of her mouth, she said, if I could just touch him. Jesus said, who touched me? Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are pre- there are crowds and are pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone has touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she couldn't go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus and the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. He said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Let me stop just a minute. A lot's going on in this scripture right here. But one thing that the Lord has shown me here is the report has been given. Jairus has already knew his daughter was sick, but now someone has come with a bad report. How many of us go to the doctor? How many of us face someone that speaks something negatively over you? Or, or maybe, maybe you've gone to the doctor and you've gotten a terrible report. Now, I believe the young lady was dead. It was an accurate report. But what I want you to catch is the report isn't the final word. The report, it did not end with the report. Not only did he know she was sick, he knew there was troubles, but all of a sudden, Satan's piling on him. Satan's trying to stop what he's trying to do the right thing here and go to Christ and say, I need help. Then the report comes. Right in the middle of you trying to seek after God, here comes another thing trying to stop you. How many of you have gotten on fire for Christ and got knocked completely to the ground? I have seen so many families come in and get a real move of God in their heart and get pounded on like they had never been pounded on before. Satan does not want you to be God's totally. He wants you to be a mediocre Christian. Here's Jairus on his way with God. And the report comes. Hearing this, Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he didn't let anyone go in except Peter, James, and John, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. I want you to know Christ spoke. You have to speak. You have to speak. Her spirit returned and stood up. Then Jesus told, her to get, told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, and he ordered them not to tell anybody what had happened. What are you facing? What are you facing? Jairus facing a dying child, then a dead child. The woman with the issue of blood, 12 years of pain, 12 years of a problem. What are you facing? God can rescue you. 
You just have to believe, you have to ask, you have to act. If God can handle this, can't he handle your issue? Remember, he holds the universe in the palm of his hand. As I close, Psalm 50 says, Then call on me when you're in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. The synagogue leader had to go find Jesus, fell on his face, and pleaded with God. That is not an easy thing to do as the leader. Men, we have got to plead with God. Would the woman with the issue of blood have been, had been healed? Would she have been healed if she hadn't pushed through the crowd and touched the garment? No. Is it Jesus' desire to have healed that woman? Yes. But the woman knew the word. She had gotten a word from God. This is what she needs to do. Now she has to go do it. Do you remember the leader that, that came to be cleansed, cleansed of sickness and, 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 and the prophet said, go wash in, the, go wash in the, the lake seven times? And he's like, man, couldn't you have given me something better to do? And his servant said, if he gave you something better to do, wouldn't you do it? Why don't you just go wash? You've got the word. Just go wash. Okay, I'll go wash. And he washed and washed and washed. And he was cleansed. You've got to wash. You've got to ask. You've got to humble yourself and cry out to God. The woman had to push through. Church, push through. Do not leave here without giving your burdens to the Lord. Call on Him right now. He will rescue you and you will glorify Him. God is greater. You have to seek. You have to push through. You have to touch the hem of the garment. You have to. He's not going to do that part for you. He's already done his part. Matthew 6, You guys stand up with me. Seek the kingdom of God and above else, live righteously and he will give you everything you need. What is your need what is your need? I want you to know, ultimately, your need is God. You fulfill that need, He'll give you everything you need. We think our need is our circumstance. Our need is not our circumstance. Our need is God. Our circumstance has taken the place of God. We need to set aside that circumstance. We need to cast that burden upon the Lord. And He will meet our need. What is your need? Will you all bow with me just a moment? Have you really made a commitment to Christ? Today is the day. Just out of your mouth, Lord, I choose to serve you. I choose to make you Lord of my life. Lord, I make a commitment to get into your word and to ask you to fill me with your spirit. And I make a commitment for, to turn from the, the negative ways that I'm living and to try my best to start walking in your way. Lord, I know I'm going to fall and I know I'm going to fail so many times. And I just ask you, Lord, to help me. Help me to walk. Help me to come clean before you. Have you given your heart really to Jesus? Would you do that right now, right where you sit?
It says in Scripture that all have sinned and fallen short. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That includes me, that includes you. But all who will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All who will call upon. You've got to call upon Him. Will you call upon Him right where you sit? Make that commitment. What is your need? I just want to open the altar. You're welcome to come up here and just pray at this altar. We're going to have people ready to pray with you if you want to pray with someone. I want you to know that my God is greater. My God is stronger. My God is higher than any other. My God is healer. My God can rescue me. What is your need? Those that are praying, come on down. We just open the altar up right now. I want to encourage you in faith, step out.